0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and I am glad to be back. It's been two weeks back from Indianapolis in the scouting combine and as always it was a doozy and this episode today is going to be a full recap of the 2023 combine and now we're just a week week or so away from free agency kicking off folks. We are in the meat of the NFL offseason. Washington building that roster as we move into 2023. Eric Banmi as offensive coordinator. Jack Del Rio back in town as D.C. And Ron Rivera, of course, at head coach. Martin Mayhew was in Indianapolis. We heard him speak. Multiple representatives from Washington, of course, and their scouting staff was in Indianapolis. Heck of a week for offensive guys, defensive guys. I want to take you guys into a full recap of not just positions of need for the burgundy and gold. But all the positions on offense and on defense is some standouts for me. Because at the end of the day, I want to make myself clear in that the combine, you have there's of course there's you have to hold weight, right, towards these guys' measurables. The intangibles that you just can't check off on, on game day, right? The speed, the height, the weight, the length, that type of thing, the explosiveness. You see it in the vert, you see it in the broad. Then you have film. That's the majority of weight where teams evaluate a prospect. What does their tape look like? What is the production? Then if you go and test in a t-shirt and shorts and all of those things line up, then you got yourself an elite prospect. You got yourself a certified day two guy. Or maybe it's a day three guy with some more questions you want to take a flyer on bring in the building, get him on your coaching staff and develop him. Or maybe he's a guy a day three steal that you like. But with Indianapolis... Completed. We're now full steam ahead, as I mentioned, with free agency, but pro days as well. Lots and lots of pro days to keep an eye on as we head towards these next couple weeks. But I want to start, of course, with the quarterbacks. And who else can we talk about than Anthony Richardson, quarterback from the University of Florida? We knew he was going to test well 6'4, 245, 4'440, over 40 inches in the vert. Ridiculous. Now, again, we knew he was going to test. But you look at him to live the football, live, it's different, folks. It's it's overwhelmingly different. Now, again, film holds weight. I don't think we give Anthony enough credit as far as his ability to understand and operate under center, coming from Florida. But he was overwhelmingly impressive. And we know that athletes go high in the NFL draft. He's not going to last long. C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State, was... Now, all the attention is on Anthony, but for me, C.J. Stroud was the winner, if you will, in Indianapolis. You see him operate not just Ohio State, but at the Combine. Everything is on time. He's accurate. Everything is smooth. Everything is comfortable. It's never rushed. It has its own tempo. It operates to his own beat. Everything aligns from his feet up to his eyes. It's just overwhelmingly impressive to watch C.J. Stroud work. You look at him back to that CFP semifinal game against Georgia where he finally used his lower half a little bit more. That's something he's going to have to do at the NFL level. But CJ was a massive winner. Bryce Young, I, I do not care that he threw, didn't throw at the combine. I, I'm happy that he weighed in and measured. Weighed in at 204. He will not play at 204, folks. He will probably play around 190. Whatever he ate, how much water he drank that week, tip of the cap to his training staff. But he will not play at 204 as he move into the next few years of his career, obviously. whether there durability concerns there? Teams will have those, and teams do. But Bryce Young, I really just flat out, it didn't bother me that he didn't throw in Indianapolis. We know what we get from him and what we've seen from him at Alabama. Uh, a guy I do have questions with is Will Levis, quarterback from Kentucky. He is the fifth quarterback on my board. I have C.J. Stroud. I have Bryce Young excuse me, in order, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, and Will Levis at five. Why I say that is because Will Levis, you're supposed to be a face of the franchise potentially. QB one, right? Guy to come in the building, move the needle and win the Super Bowl. That's the goal. That's the goal. There's about five to six teams in the league right now that have their guy that they know for the next five to seven years, he's going to be here. He's going to be our guy. Will Levis didn't see him in the bowl game, didn't see him show up in Mobile at Senior Bowl, didn't run the combine in the 40. You know, we talk about a Kentucky, oh, it's the offensive line, it's the young receivers, it's the offensive coordinator. Sometimes there's a common denominator there, folks. And for me, I want something to hang my hat on when it comes to Will Levis, and I don't right now, and a lot of NFL teams don't. Now, there's a specific team in the NFL, not going to mention, for obvious reasons, that is absolutely in love with Carolina. Now, nobody in the NFC East, and it's nobody in the AFC that gives you guys a hint. But it's an NFC team that absolutely is in love with Will and what he offers at the quarterback position. Now, I get it, big kid, big arm, right? But being a good athlete, and just be able to throw a football, doesn't mean that that translates to winning at the quarterback position at the NFL level. He ran a pro-style offense at Kentucky. Completely understand that. The comparisons between him and Hendon. I can talk about Hendon all day long as far as I like a guy that's battle-tested. The improvements that he's shown from Virginia Tech to where at times he looked completely unplayable to the half reads and some of the pre-snap hots that he had to hit at Tennessee where everything was... It was easy. Pre-snap, he knew where he was going. Had a certain look, he knew where he was going. Wasn't asked to read two, three reads across the field, left to right, like you're asked to do at the NFL level. Tore his ACL. He's a Heisman finalist. Tore his ACL and he's battling back from that. You learn who he is as an individual. Overwhelmingly impressive from a character perspective. It's a kid I want in my locker room. It's a kid I want leading my franchise. It's a kid I want as the face of the franchise, potentially, moving forward. But for Will, I just have a ton of questions because you want that QB1. The talent is there. Of course it is, obviously. But I want just something to hang my hat on. And I want guys that want to compete. Flat out. And I just haven't seen that during this pre-draft process. I would love to see him in the bowl game. In Mobile, especially, where the quarterbacks were extremely overwhelming. The likes of Jake Hayner from Fresno State, who I like, but Tyson Bajan from Shepard. Jaron Hall from BYU, Clayton Toon from Houston. I mean, there wasn't any headlining names from the quarterback position like we saw last year down in Mobile. It was a great chance for Will to go there and separate himself, and he didn't. So those are kind of my thoughts at the quarterback position. Going to move to running backs to where this is. We know how deep this running back class is. And headlines at the top, obviously, with B. John Robinson. And what else can you say? About Bijan, he's going to be an RB one for a long time in this league. He could be a top three, four running back in this league. Heck, starting next year, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jameer Gibbs from, Phil, from excuse me from Alabama. I hope the Eagles don't grab him. I know the Eagles love him, and you move back into the late portions of round one, early portions of round two. And expect Miles Sanders to walk. They love Kenny Gainwell, but he's going to stay in that third down role. You know, this is a situation to where Jameer Gibbs could very easily be a Philadelphia Eagle. And a weapon in that offense with what they do, they're going to have changes on both sides of the ball. But that speed, that, that that elusiveness, his again, his ability to go from zero to sixty in in five yards—it's ridiculous. And he was he was another guy who was impressive in Indianapolis. Some under the radar guys the running back position. I mean, I know you guys have probably heard of Zach Charbonnet, running back from UCLA. He looks the part—big, strong kid. Transferred to UCLA from Michigan. Love his game. Eric Gray. From Oklahoma. Kind of has some J.D. McKissick vibes, if you will. A little bit thicker than J.D., but a third down back. And if he has to holster 15, 20 carries a game, if someone goes out, he can absolutely do that. Create inside the tackles. Create outside. Not the biggest guy. He's sub-six foot, but got some bolster to him. We got probably one of, the, one of the stronger lower halves in the class. The ability to bounce off tacklers and create an, and with it after contact and bounce off. Again, wimpy guys coming downhill. So, Eric Ray. Again, running back from Oklahoma, I thought, was excellent. Tajay Spears, commanders met with him formally in Indianapolis. Um, I shared a lot of those formal meetings, and I have a, uh, will continue to share as I get more information from across the league of which players met with which teams. Um, and I want to also clarify with you guys the difference between formal meetings and informal meetings. This pre draft process, especially at the Senior Bowl, all 32 teams met with each player at the Senior Bowl, and those were informal. When you get to the combine, pro days, you have top 30 visits, those formal meetings, especially at the combine, teams only have 45 allotted formal meetings, which can last upwards of 20 minutes. When you have informals, those things are five to 10 minutes max. So these formals, they don't just meet with everybody formally. So when you hear about someone meeting with someone formally, there's interest there. Now, a lot of teams do their due diligence with the top guys, but you only get 45. And there's obviously more than 45 draft eligible prospects in this draft class. So when you hear about formals with teams, there's interest there. Does that mean he's gonna draft them? No. Does it mean if they're gonna draft a guy when he comes on the top 30? No. But all that information I continue to share on my Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler if you don't follow me already. But back to Tajay Spears from Tulane. You saw him tear it up all year long for the green wave. You saw it in the Cotton Bowl against USC. Oh, just dominant. Uh, and a guy, I, I, don't, I don't want to limit him as a gadget guy, a third down guy. He's going to be a complimentary guy in a backfield. I don't know if he'll ever be an RB1 workhouse um, bell cow. But, excuse me, workhouse or bell cow. But this is an electric prospect. And then you you get to talk to Tajay and you learn more about kind of where his work ethic stems from. What his want is. What his What is his why. Why does he be, want to become a potentially extremely right productive guy at the NFL level. Just learn who he is. And the personality pops off the page. And then you see him play football. And he's just a guy that loves to play the game. And you want guys in your locker room that can do that. And again, the commanders met formally with him among a bunch of other teams as well. Uh, tight end. Tight end spot was fun uh, to watch in Indianapolis. It's a deep group. Um, I was expecting Luke Musgrave to test better if you will um in the 40 um you know all we heard all preseason or excuse me pre jab process was you know he's gonna run on the high four fours low four fives um he runs extremely smooth we didn't see that from him um again luke musgrave from oregon state but seeing him move in space uh, i absolutely love his game but the standout for me outside uh, will even will mallory from miami who ran extremely fast and someone that can play the y and the f and i saw him down to the senior bowl and excellent kid as well, is Zach Koontz from Old Dominion. Local kid, Penn State transfer, 6'7", over 6'7", ladies and gentlemen, over 250 pounds, ran 4'5 in the 40, jumped over 40 inches in the vert, was extremely explosive in the broad as well. There may be three or four human beings on earth that can test the way Zach Koontz did. And potentially two of them are in this draft class and him, and he and Darnell Washington, and watching Zach. I mean, we knew we were. He was going to test well. I mean, he's been a freak his entire life. And I mean that in the best way possible. But at that size, with those movement skills, you watch the tape. He's he's got to get better blocking as a Y, right, and attached in line line of scrimmage. He's got to get better in that fast set. He will not go on in round one or round two. But I don't think he gets out of the back end of round three, the early portions of round four. I think back to last year in Jelani Woods from the Virginia, big six-foot-eight kid that went in the third round to the Colts. From UVA, went to the Shrine Bowl and stood out, came to the Combine, was smooth in drills, and tested out of this world at his size. And as I mentioned earlier with Anthony Richardson at quarterback, athletes and traits and potential, even though that word gets coaches fired, Guys go high if you're an elite one-of-one one athlete. That's what Zach Koontz is. And in a day and age in the NFL where you, you're trying to win matchups, you're trying to force defenses to continue to play in dime. And you're playing nickel, right? You want potentially six, seven DBs on the field at all times. All times. Force a smaller linebacker on him. Right? Or a slower safety if you have to. Zach Koontz can play the F. Flex him out in the slot. Flex him out wide. Ask him to work in space. His best football remains down the road. Ask him to even maybe lose 5-7 pounds. Gets more flexibility in that lower half. Improve his ability as a blocker. But teams need athletes. And I look at Washington and the athletes, if you will, in their tight ends room. I know they like John Bates and Cole Turner and Armani Rogers. I've spoken to you guys before about Armani Rodgers and his potential. But Logan Thomas, another big kid, Zach Coons from a fundamental standpoint is more athletic than Logan Thomas. Now you're looking towards late round three, round four. Washington doesn't have a third round pick. Thank you, Carson Wentz. But as you move into day three, potential option there. Again, a local kid from the 757 down at ODU. Why not? You want some athletes in the building, a tight end spot. I get you got guys. John Bates moving into year three and Cole moving into year two. Armani moving into year two for a quarterback convert. You know, that's an extremely young room already. But if you want to save money by cutting Logan, he's had some injury concerns the last few years. The potential is there. We came into this year expecting to be a top 15, top 10, 12 tight end in this league from a production standpoint because we knew Carson Wentz was going to target tight ends in the middle of the field. That's what he did in the past. That's what we expected. It didn't happen. So now you move on and you look for athletes. You look at Eric Bieniemy's offense. Look at him at Kansas City, the amount of tight ends he used, not just Travis Kelsey, who's a one of one athlete, maybe go down as the best tight end ever when it's all said and done. You look at Noah Bell, or Noah Gray, excuse me, Blake Bell, Jody Fortson. All those names were involved in the offense at a significant rate over the last few years in Kansas City. You want to run some 12 personnel. Again, one running back, two tight ends, 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends. Now, if you're taking a guy in the third round or early fourth round, you're going to want him to produce right away. You're not going to bring him in and be the potentially fifth tight end on your depth chart With if Logan's in town and, and John and Cole and Armani are ahead of him. That's not going to happen. But this is a guy in Zach Koontz that I was impressed with. Seeing him move live was outstanding. And if I'm Washington, and he does slip a little bit, I don't think he gets out of the back end of day two just because, again, athletes go high. You know, take a flyer on a guy. Zach Koontz Old Dominion is that guy for me. So let's move to the big boys up front. Enjoyed watching those big fellas. Um, they were great this week. Uh, all the all the headlining names, DeWan Jones, Cody Mock, Peter Skaranski, Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones, John Michael Schmitz. All those guys were fantastic. Um, just their feet, everything stems from the feet. All the way up. I talk about that all the time. Their ability to sink their hips, dig those cleats in the ground when they're doing pass pro drills, how they move in space um, without pads was really fun to see. Even Peter Skoronsky's kick step, um, his kick slide, whatever you want to call it, um, was just smooth, effortless. Um, He's probably going to play guard at the NFL level. Um, That was basically confirmed with the conversations that I had with teams this week in Indy. Um, But man, he was overwhelmingly smooth. He's he's a guy at 16. If Washington wants to go. You know, grab an interior guard, right? They want to bring back Charles Leno and play left tackle. And they want to stick with Cornelius at right side, Sam Cosme. And they want to put Peter at left guard or right guard. We'll see. Um, you know, you have options there. Um, Cody Mock from North Dakota State, guard tackle versatile. Uh, he was excellent. Uh, you seeing him run around with that red hair. He's got no two front teeth. That's a guy I want on my front five. That's a guy I want. Blowing over dudes. You know, on my front five, just mauling people. In the run game, dropping that anchor in pass pro. Thought he was excellent. Paris Johnson moves like a damn linebacker at his size. DeJuan Jones is ridiculous. He's built like a townhome. You know, he's 6'8", over 370 pounds. He runs in low low fives in the 40, which is ridiculous for his size. Um, everybody, really, along the headliners along the front five were, were really good. Even a guy like John Gaines from... Uh, UCLA, really good, really impressed with him, really good feet, extremely athletic in the lower half, he's got heavy hands, two UCLA guards to keep an eye on this year, is John Gaines and Antonio Maffi from UCLA, again, two Bruins that are going to go late day two, early day three, as guys that are going to be excellent additions in the core of offensive, for any offensive line that they join. Bump out to receiver and... For me, the receivers weren't overwhelmingly impressive at all. I, I know there's been a lot of attention around Jalen Hyatt's 40 at 441. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, 441 is not slow. But I want to kind of provide a little bit of context into why Jalen Hyatt 441. You look at him at Tennessee, he was a nine route. Or nothing type of ball player. And consistently granted with free releases. Now a 9 route, just a straight vert. Outrun the corner. Outrun the safety. Throw it up. See what happens. Just going to outrun people by being the best athlete on the field. That will not work at the NFL level. You got it. You will have guys in your face. Impressed man. That can run 4-3. 4-4. With 32 plus inch arms. That will force you in that five-yard contact window to get off the line of scrimmage. Again, at Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt had a ton of free releases off the line of scrimmage. to where the corner at times is five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage. A lot from what we've seen of Washington over these last few years. Instead of having the ability to play inside that contact window and being able to play man. Now, I will talk more about the corners when we get to the opposite side of the ball. But for the receivers, and just providing a little more into context of Jalen Hyatt, if he came out and ran four two five, nobody would have nobody been shocked. Would have been a great time, absolutely. But if if you your calling card is Will Fuller, right? That's the comparisons around the league to Jalen Hyatt is Will Fuller. Your calling card is to be an absolute blazer. You come out and run four four, right? You, you, you guys can. Catch my drift here. See what I'm saying? So there's so many things in Jalen's game. First off, for me, I'm not touching him on day one. Absolutely not. I'm not taking him in the first 32 picks of this draft. Excuse me, 31, with obviously Miami's pick being forfeited. I'm not touching him at all. Like There's so many things in this, within his game. I like him to bulk up a little bit. I like him to work on his release package. You got to go off the line of scrimmage. Bottom line, people are going to be in his face at the next level, forcing him to get off the line of scrimmage at 180 pounds max. That's what he's going to play at. So, that's, that's really where it starts for me at the receiver position. I wanted to see more, uh, and I wanted, I just wanted to see Jalen Hyatt. Really, I want to see him run faster. 4-4, that's your game? Run faster. You're supposed to be a day-one guy. Some people have wide receiver one on their board. Didn't move the needle for me at all in Indianapolis. And I know you can't have a ton of weight just in a 40, but if that's your calling card, better be damn good at it. That, be, that better be your elite trait. And right now, don't know how much of an elite trait that is. Uh, JSN, Jackson Smith and J.G. from Ohio State. Um... Many teams wide receiver one on their board. Uh, what what else can you say? We didn't see him all year long. Basically for the Buckeyes, uh, he's just technician uh, in the route running game. Um, fantastic, smooth hands. Seen him move is fantastic. Short shuttle was ridiculous. His, his ability to change directions on a whim. Um, he's not going to have the elite burning speed. We didn't see him running run the forty in Indy. Um, but his his play speed is much different than what he's going to run in a forty. And Again, he's going to run out. Is he going to outrun corners? Is he going to outrun safeties? No. I think you look back to that 2021 tape, and you look at at uh, JoJo Doman from Nebraska, caught, chased down Jackson Smith from the opposite hash. You know those things. He's not slow by any means. I don't want to be misconstrued here, but his ability within those short areas, those two to three yards outside his frame, to ability to put his foot in the ground and make two, three guys miss. Now he's not good Aries Tony by any means, but Put that foot in the ground, make a guy miss, and turn up field, and not just be a threat five to ten yards down the field, but also be able to separate at every single level of the defense. Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jigba, excuse me, was fantastic. Josh Downs as well from North Carolina. Um, he's gonna on my board. He's gonna be. He's gonna possibly be wide receiver three on my board. I, I absolutely love Josh Downs. Not the biggest guy in the world. Um, I, I get some Jahan Dotson vibes from him. And the reason why I say that is he plays like he's friggin' 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, um, natural hands. You can tell how a guy catches the football. Is he a basket catcher? Does he like to secure it with his pads? Does he catch it with his heels of his hands? Josh Downs, watching him catch the football is, is art. It's a joy to watch. And he's going to be an immediate impact receiver for whatever team that he joins. Even a guy like Demario Douglas from Liberty, I was impressed with, spoke extremely well at the podium. Um, during drills, he ran extremely well. He's going to be a guy that's going to have some special teams value. He's going to be a day three guy, going to play some in the slot most likely for a team, get some designated touches, and just offer some unique wrinkles to an offense. Um, Tank Dell, time to move him up boards, folks. Move him up. We talked about him for a while. Tank Dell from Houston. You know, we to all the talk about Jordan Addison. You know, always oh, at Pitt. He won the Blitnikoff working with Kenny Pickett, goes to USC, and he's getting all the NLI. Excuse me, nil money, and he's got the USC Trojan on it logo on his helmet. He's playing for USC, and he's working with Caleb Williams. And then he comes to Indy. Doesn't run extremely fast. Extremely light. He's smaller than expected. Tank Dell comes out, and you look at Tank Dell, and it says four five forty. He did not run a four five forty. That dude is running four threes. Now the the clock in Indy with the forties was ridiculous all week long. I'm sure you guys saw it on social media and on broadcast as well. But Tank Dell. Turn on his tape. Bottom line, um, not again. Not the biggest guy in the world, right? About five nine max, and he's not going to be over 200 pounds. Probably be about 170 again. Max, smaller guy, but he understands how to separate. And for me, you know, looking at people who had Jordan Addison, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. We gotta have the conversation. Um, we have some videos coming out from the DraftNetwork.com on YouTube where. Um, we sat down and we discussed the differences and, and kind of the similarities between Jordan Addison and Tank Dell. What's the conversation there? Why is Jordan ahead of Tank? Because they do similar things. They're similar body types. We saw Tank absolutely dominate the senior bowl. Could not be covered. So there, there's some conversations to be had there. And Tank Dell, team that wants to grab him on day two, which is where he'll go, immediate impact player for an offense despite the size concerns. But I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I think he's going to be a guy that we end up, you know, we're talking this time next year about the 2024 class and looking back to the 2023 rookie class of a guy that, that could be near the tops in, in all the major receiving categories for the rookie class. From there, Zay Flowers from Boston College thought he was good. I mean, as advertised, saw him at the Shrine Bowl. He didn't play in the game, had a couple workouts. Um, but, you know, seeing him at Boston College, dominant in the ACC, came there, smooth. Uh, Andre Yoshivas from Princeton is one of the more unique athletes in the class. He was a guy down at Senior Bowl from Princeton. All-American in the heptathlon. You don't see that often in the NFL. And again, just because you're a good athlete doesn't mean you're a good football player. But Andre had a heck of a year at Princeton. Thought he did well at the Senior Bowl. Understands how to separate. Got really good feet. Big body on the outside, so have no issue sticking his face in, in the blocking game. So Andre Yoshivas, again, is a name to know from Princeton. He'll probably go late day two. Um, again, bigger kid, really good hands, can play above the rim if you ask. Tested well in all categories. Didn't run 4-2 or 4-3, ran mid four fours, was explosive in the broad and the vert, and that was all expected. Again, an All-American in the heptathlon during his time at Princeton, which provides a team with a, uh, an Olympic-level athlete, which you just you really don't see uh, in the NFL from that level. You usually see track guys with track speed and elite, world-class speed. But the, the ability to have an overall, right, haptathlon, right, the the jumps, the long jump, all that stuff, that, he's just such a unique athlete. And you look at him and you speak to the kid, and he's just super, super impressive. So let's slip over to the defensive side of the ball. we got to start with the defensive line and, and, and Kalijah Cansey I've come on here before and talked to you guys about I, I really could care less about arm length and drafting a guy that's going to be explosive at one and three tech. And you look at Calagio and talking throughout the week and he, he comes to me after his podium session and he says, yeah, I'm going to surprise in the 40 tomorrow. And he didn't give me any hints as far as what he's going to run. Then he comes out and runs four, six at near 300 pounds. I mean, what else can you say, right? Explosiveness and athletic. You're watching an the ACC. There was not a single offensive lineman. Teams had to double and triple team him at times and even keep a running back in to keep him out of the pocket. The NFL was all about, in the past, right, it was just edge rushers, right? You relied on your edge guys to get pressure. Now, you got guys in the interior. Look at Washington. John Allen, Deron Payne combined for 20 sacks this year. Kalijah Cansey is going to be an immediate pocket pusher, not just from the outside where guys are going to be coming at the quarterback, but now you got guys on the inside that are threatening that threatening the at one tech and three tech, right, the center and the guard. Kalijah was... Everything as expected. Did I expect him to run 4-6? Heck no. I didn't. But was I surprised? (laughs) No. Because of how explosive he is. He's probably the most explosive player in this class. Pound for pound. Zach Pickens, tiered defensive lineman from South Carolina. Extremely smooth mover. Former five-star recruit. Just got to put it all together. And the ceiling is immense. The floor is low, but the ceiling is immense. And seeing him move at 291 pounds... It a, was a joy to watch this week in Indianapolis. Nolan Smith from Georgia, four three nine forty. We, we already know he's a guy that's going to be stout in the run game. Just got to get that sack production production, excuse me, up. We didn't see it a lot of Georgia. Get him fully healthy. He's going to be a heck of a addition for a team on the outside. Yaya Diaby from Louisville, big kid, kind of under the radar. He was at the Senior Bowl, came and tested extremely well. He'll probably go day two. Again, bigger kid that is excellent in the run game, can even slide in and play some three tech for you if you ask him to. Byron Young from Tennessee, move him up boards wherever you have him or, or your thoughts on him. He's, he was excellent. He's also a great kid. Um, there were some interesting questions that he that he faced at his podium session that he handled like a professional and it was really impressive to hear him speak. Um, again, that's Byron Young from Tennessee. Adotima Adabuare from Northwestern can play that one, that three, that five along the defensive front. Uh, powerful kid. You could ask anybody, they may say he's their biggest winner out of the combine again from Northwestern. Northwestern just continues to pump out talent almost every single year. Right? You look back to the days of Sean Slater and Greg Newsome over the last few years. You know, they got Atabuare this year, they got Evan Hole at running back, they have Cam Mitchell from DBs, who I'll get into in just a few minutes. But Tommy. Adabuare, no, he's his nickname, Tommy, you can just call him Double A or, or, or Tommy A, and he was really good in Indy. Um, Derek Hall from Auburn, as advertised, really good in, in Mobile, it's excellent feet, powerful hands, just looks the part at his size, Tuli Tupulotu's got great feet, um, lost a lot of weight, so I'm still interested to see as far as what the NFL vision is in him playing that that five-tech, that three-tech, moving up and down the defensive line like he did at USC, but He's got excellent he got an excellent lower half, extremely quick. I expect him to be an immediate impact player for a team along that front four. Uh, let's see. Interior defensive line, Jalen Redman from Oklahoma. Um, athletic. He's got a long way to go as a football player, but, you know, you're athletic. You have those traits, that foundation to improve as a football player and to get him in a room where, you know, someone needs depth and Jalen Redmond will be a good option. I like what I saw from Dante Stills from West Virginia, another big boy. They can play the one. They can play the three. Uh, I was impressed with him. Again, heavy hands, extremely, extremely smooth in his lower half, a dancing bear, if you will. Guys that can play both gaps, right, along the interior. Allow those running, take up bodies, and allow those running backs to come downhill and fill holes. And Dante can run hash-to-hash, tackles for loss, those types of things. Push the pocket a little bit on passing downs. Was impressed with him. Move a step back to the LBs. The linebacker class has been... A little bit of a surprise for me in this pre-draft process because going into it, it really wasn't impressive. And going into Mobile, I talked to you guys in the Senior Bowl recap that, you know, I was impressed with the guys that were down there. And then you go to Indy and Dayon Henley from Washington State, Shaka Hayward from Duke, Trenton Simpson from Clemson, Dorian Williams from Tulane, and D. Winters from TCU were all standouts for me, guys that can do a lot of different things at the second level, they can fill in the run, they can chase guys sideline to sideline, then you ask them to drop their hips in coverage and flip them and run, carry a tight end up the seam if they have to, or carry a running back on a wheel route 20 yards downfield and flip their head and get a PBU on a ball, they can do that too. Um, again, the linebacker class has improved for me and shown me something these last few weeks as we've as we've left the Shrine, left Senior Bowl, and now post combine, as we head into pro days, I, I'm I feel better about the linebacker class. DBs, this is where we start, folks. This is lots and lots and lots of good nuggets from teams and scouts from across the week. But just flipping on the combine, right? And 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 being there in person this week for myself was a joy because all the DBs were as advertised. I mean, you just go down the list from. Christian Gonzalez, to Cam Smith, to Joey Porter Jr., Julius Brents was arguably the winner of the whole Combine. He's got 34s for arms. Multiple teams I talked with have him as their CB1 on their board. So this is a kid from Kansas State. Wherever you think he's going to be drafted, you think it's early day two, or you think it's late day one, it's probably too low. So I'm going to move him up a little bit. And he, he, I know you guys like to do mock drafts and look at mock drafts and stuff. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of mock drafts because these teams don't even know what they're doing. Uh, moving into you know we're here in early March we got over a month till the draft they're gonna be making calls as we even head into draft night so I don't put too much weight you know trying to look at those mock drafts but Julius Prince is gonna be high on those as we move forward into these next few weeks the two Maryland corners local kids right Deontay Banks, and Bennett came out and blazed in the 40 both were in the four threes both guys were, were excellent in position drills as well Keetra Clark from Louisville overwhelmingly smooth can play inside can play outside Rocked up a little bit of his frame. Not the biggest guy, but does a lot of things well. Could be a special teams core contributor for someone from day one. I mentioned Cam Mitchell earlier from Northwestern, a guy that hasn't got a lot of buzz this year. But again, a guy that can play. I would like him primarily on the outside. Again, Northwestern continues to pump out guys, pump out talent. Similar to like what Cincinnati's done, right? Last year we saw Sauce Sar- Sar- Gardner, excuse me, and Kobe Bryant out of that secondary. Now you got Cam Mitchell coming out of of, uh, uh, of Northwestern. And I love what I saw from him. And then, again, character, who he is behind the face mask, finding out the individual that he is, impressive. Um, another guy that stood out in kind of the safeties room was Brandon Hill. Overall, the safety class has been underwhelming for me. I know the headlining names: Antonio Johnson, and Brian Branch is, is the headliner for the class. It depends where, what defense he falls in, whether he's going to play the nickel, whether he's going to play safety, whether he's going to play in the box remains to be seen, um, but Brandon Hill is a kid from Pitt, just patient, new, he stays, ability to, to stay in that base, to stay, right, he doesn't have to flip his hips to constantly run, he can stay in that backpedal, 20, 15, 20 yards downfield, extremely smart, play, is a cerebral athlete, wins between the ears, that's another name for you guys to know is Brandon Hill, the safety out of Pitt, so DBs were as advertised. So, that's going to wrap it up folks i hope you enjoyed if you did please leave a like share review subscribe i'm on twitter again if you don't follow me already underscore ryan fowler all my written work is housed at the draft including more video and audio content we have lots and lots of stuff coming out of indianapolis on our youtube on our instagram whatever platform that you prefer there's lots of stuff from us over at tdn always appreciate your time i know it's been a little bit sporadic here with traveling to mobile end of the combine but again hope you guys enjoyed i'll have an episode out for you next monday i will talk to you soon again hope you guys enjoyed always appreciate your time i'm ryan fowler from the draft network and this is commanding the huddle thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform